Well, we are in the sixth week of a series called Summer School. And we have been learning and gleaning off of stuff that has to do with just all the fun stuff of summer. Now, growing up, when I thought of summer, I thought of the lake. I thought of going to the lake, and I was not a big fisherman, so I wasn't going to fish. We were going to be drug around the lake by my dad. He had a 14-foot boat that had way too much engine on it, and he loved to go fast. And he would drag us around and haul us all over the place. And his favorite thing was to, to knock us off. That was his fun, was to knock us off and to throw us off. And, and um, Anyways, and so that was what I, I grew up doing. And so today we're going to talk about just what, about learning to water ski. That's what we're going to look at today. Uh, and let's just, if you've got your U version, or you've got your notes open, or your bulletin, let's jump in the middle of this, and we are going to click. Because <clears throat> God is constantly growing us from the inside out. And our growth stays steady as we stay connected to the power that propels our growth. God's Word. We've already talked about walking in the Spirit. But one of the things is the Bible says that those that true worshipers worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're propelled by the Spirit. We're Spirit-led pneumatic beings. We talked about that weeks ago. But we're also, also products of and should, our lives should be based on the Word of God. It isn't just this, this, this thing, these, these words on a page. The Bible says it's living and active. And it is a thing that moves us. And we need to be aware of that. All that time, uh, years ago, I'd seen my dad. Every once in a while, he'd get a chance. My mom would freak out. Man, she hated driving the boat. She hated driving the boat. She, somebody unwisely told her the story about the wife that drove off the dam because she was watching the husband ski. She was watching him ski, and he was like, yeah! So she waves back. Uh, it's, we're laughing, but it's pretty tragic. And she drives off like a 40-foot dam and dies. And so, yeah, it's, it's terrible. In a sadistically humorous way. It's just terrible. Why are we that way? I don't know. But we, we laughed. We did. And uh, so she was like, she was petrified of like running into something or some, some dam being there. She's going to fly off of it. And so anytime my mom got, had to drive the boat, she was just freaked out. She was just white-knuckled, looked dead ahead. And that was our jobs to watch Dad ski, which I enjoyed. So Dad would ski, and he'd get up and do his thing, and he would kick his up one ski off and slalom and, and all that. And I was like, ooh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I've already shared with you all before that I'm not naturally athletic. Okay? And so athletic stuff doesn't, it, it doesn't come easily to me. And one of the hard lessons that I learned is for some reason, I, I thought that I had to be in some sort of a tug-of-war match with a boat or something. I'd get in the water and I got, I got face full of water for forever. I mean, it's like I'm just trying to not get up almost while I'm trying to get up. And my dad would start the boat, and the skis would be going all which ways, and I'd do the splits and follow my face, and I'd just be pulling and tugging and fighting the boat. And finally, finally, my dad said, just let it pull you up. Just allow it. Just let it pull you up. As soon as I did that, whoosh, it just 
pop right up. I mean, I just, I mean, to this day, I can just get back on skis and they just fire the boat and I, whoop, I'm just on top of the water. The skis, they want to work. The boat, it just, it works. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to force yourself. You don't have to get in this thing. Folks, sometimes we can take this thing, this, the, this learning the word of God and living by the word and we can turn it into a lot more work than it has to be. And you think, okay, well now I'm a Christian, now I'm going to do this thing. And, and so now I'm going, to, I'm going to do all this and get all this works mentality again. When really what we need to do is allow the word of God to work in our lives and let it have its way. God's word speaks to us and speaks to our lives. And if we will give it the room to have its way, I'm telling you, we're going to find ourselves whoop, popped up and doing what we're supposed to be doing. See, this truth Jesus gives us in Matthew 4. And I tell you what, in our society, I just went on vacation and I ate way too much food. And I tell you, we, we as a whole society, we just eat. It's a pastime. And, but Jesus tells us, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We have to understand that this is our very life essence. This isn't just a dusty old book. This isn't just a bunch of old cryptic words or, or stuff from, a, from an irrelevant age. Everything that God sealed up in that book is relevant to you and I today. It speaks to us. And so what, what we have to first learn is that we have to choose to hold on tight to the word and let it pull us forward like I already talked about. And one of the beautiful things, like we just did a baby dedication. You know, we, that child, we'd not say that that child is saved at that moment. No, we, that's why we wrote the letter for a future date. That we're believing God that that child is going to live in, in accordance and in the parameters of the word of God raised up to know God. And when that child gets of age and recognizes the, the move of the Holy Spirit in its own young life, this is, yes, I too, like mom and dad, I choose Jesus on my own. And then that is placed in their hands. But that environment, they're walking in an environment where it is easy to stay connected to the word of God. We still have this, it's just called the sled. It's this orange, hard, plastic sled that is a bit of a ski, water ski trainer. I was on it when I was a kid. All my kids have played on it. It's, it's nothing fancy looking. It's a little weather and sun bleached and whatnot, but it still works. But the cool thing is, is it is attached to the boat. And then the, the rope, the ski rope, comes up off of it. So they don't have to think about staying connected to what's propelling them. It's just, it's just going. And then they get used to holding on to the rope. They get used to standing. They get used to steering. They get used to being in that environment. And then you shift them and you put them on skis. And then they get to the place that they have to hold on on their own. It's the same way. That's why children's ministry is such a big deal to us. We want them to be in an environment where you know what, the, being connected to the Word of God is just the way it's supposed to be. So that when they get to a place that they have to do it on their own, that they choose to stay connected. We understand that this works if we stay connected to what pulls us forward, if we stay connected to the Word of God. It is so incredibly vital. See, Acts uh, 20 says, Now I commit you to God. This is, this is <clears throat> Paul talking. He says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who were sanctified. He had done his part. He had taught them. He had trained them up. And says, now I commit you to the word of God. The word of God will disciple you. 
That's why we go through all the process of every day. Somebody is, we're posting on our website, somebody's comments about today's reading of the Bible. That's why every January we start reading the Bible over because we want Celebration Church to have a culture where we understand that the Bible is vital and that, you know what, you and I, you and I can, can it doesn't have to be a, we don't have to be a preacher, we don't have to be somebody who is, who is uh, theologically trained. You can read the Bible on your own and God can speak to you. It is a big, big deal to us. We do that with our kids. When our kids get to a place where they turn 13, we begin to let them know, okay, on purpose, you're 13 years old, on purpose, we're going to begin to put childish things behind you so that you can, in this process of becoming an adult, be an adult one day. Our society has already shown you don't grow up on your own. We have 30, 40-year-old children in our society. So it's, you gotta, we got to put childish things behind us on purpose. And one of the things we require our own kids is that between their 12 and 13th <clears throat> is that they read through the New Testament. That they begin that process of putting the word of God in them. Why? Because it changes everything. It will speak to them. I can't tell you how much I love it when I see my kids sitting over in a chair or catching them somewhere and they're reading the Bible on their own. It's not because dad told them, oh, you got to read the Bible. They're doing it on their own. Or they come and they ask me a question that they had brought up from their own reading time. It is just so encouraging because I know the effects that it has. See, Romans 4, <clears throat> 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I want to tell you this. If you read the Scriptures and get discouraged and beat up and feel pulled down, um, you need to kind of back up and say, Okay, God, what's up with this? What, what, what's my, what, why is my paradigm off here that when I read the Bible, I get discouraged? Because this is supposed to bring me, from a New Testament perspective, this is supposed to bring me encouragement. Why am I discouraged? And allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what the issue is. Because somewhere there's, a, there's an off viewpoint. Because the, the, the New Testament is incredibly encouraging. And it encourages us. And we should, it should build hope in our lives. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yet again, God's Word, His Bible, teaching and training you and me. That's why I read it on my own. That has nothing to do with my study or what I'm going to teach or preach. and stuff I read just, just for me. And then there's stuff I study because I'm sharing it with y'all. But I have to be growing. I have to be just like everybody else. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, folks, choosing to study God's word, it's going to keep you moving forward over the things that make you sink. God has given us this, this thing in Christ to go over our, the troubles to, to go over the top. I love the picture of Jesus walking on the water in the storm. Okay? He, it's storming. And he's, he's walking on the water. He is, he is doing that. But then we get in this story, we get Peter who sees it and says, okay, and, and Matthew 14 says, God, if it's you, 
Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Now, he doesn't just bail off and go, woo, I'm, in, I'm jumping into this. He doesn't, when we get down to it, folks, Peter walks on water. But he doesn't, he's not walking on water. He's walking on, on Jesus' command to come. He is trusting in the one, his teacher, he is trusting in Jesus. And Jesus said, come, and he's walking on that. And he comes out, and he comes. And, of course, we see, and we give Peter a hard time because he takes a few steps. He gets his eyes on the wind and the waves, and he sinks. And Jesus then says, where was your faith? And why do you have such little faith? Now, what was the issue? Was it about the water? No. It was he quit staying connected to the word. He forgot about the fact that it was Jesus that told him to do it. That's why it is so important that we stay connected to the Word of God. There will be times that sometimes the stuff of life feels like, man, this is just scary stuff. And if we forget why we're doing this, daily infilling of the Word of God it reminds us this is what we're doing. It's not because we're so awesome and we can walk on water. Peter had all of a sudden remembered, I'm Peter, I can't walk on water, and sunk. Instead of thinking about, I have Jesus and he told me to, and while he was focused on that, he did. <clears throat> See, Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then in verse 15, it says, meditate, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I tell you what, I love the story of little Gabby, the gymnast, man. She, she just comes out of nowhere before the, the very beginning of the Olympics. They had said that she was not really a contender because she could not steady her nerves. She would, have, she would stumble, she would make a little mistake, and then boom, have a meltdown. And they just thought she was going to be the weak link of the team. And they said, six months ago, everybody thought you didn't even have it, you shouldn't even really be on this team. And they were really concerned about your nerves. How are you staying steady? How are you steadying your nerves? And I love it there on national TV. I was sitting there watching it on vacation. I'm like, this is awesome. She goes, she goes, well, I meditate on Scripture. That's awesome. She just says, I, she goes, I meditate on Scripture, and I'm just, it brings me peace, and I'm good. And she goes out there and nails it and comes from nowhere and wins gold in the all-around when nobody thought she could do it at all. She meditates on her precepts, and they're in her assignment. That's given her a platform where she's bringing glory to God. Is she ultra preachy and, and, and all holier than thou about it? No. She's just being honest about what is the solid thing in her life. It is the truth of God's word and the promises about it. And she's brought glory to God on a level. I mean, just incredible. Verse 16 says, I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. Romans 10 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. It is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. God's word should be in our mouths and in our hearts. And see in Matthew 24, it says, Heaven and earth, they can pass away, will pass away. But God's words will never pass away. See, this thing, this understanding, where we begin to, to meditate and we begin to, to learn who God is and his promises and all that. It helps us to know God better. And this knowing God better should help us to trust him more. 
He's trustworthy. It should help us to trust Him more. And these things should always produce these new levels of doing. Sometimes we think that, you know, that Christianity is all about the do's, the do's, the do's. You know what? There are things that Christians do. There are things that the Holy Spirit's going to have you do. To say that you live your life apart from actions is ludicrous. So to say that our actions don't matter is goofy. But we don't earn our entrance into heaven by our actions. We simply are living out what we believe with our actions. And thankfully, God is patient with us as it is working on the inside and changing us from the inside out. But that level of knowing and trusting, it will begin to shift us on the outside. It will begin to manifest where all of a sudden we're making, we have new choice patterns. We have a new paradigm of how we're making decisions. And it affects our doing. See, Peter, he knew and trusted. He was a fisherman. I'm sure he never tried to walk on water in his life. But him knowing and trusting Jesus, he did something new. Peter walked on water. He did it. And guess what? As, we, as you begin to know and trust, as you begin to spend time in the Word, it's going to affect your choice patterns. It's going to affect how you behave. It's going to affect how you are. But it's just totally different than living a list of rules. It is totally different than living a list of rules. This is a transformation of who you are on the inside, manifesting itself on the outside. It's a totally different than trying to take a list of rules and act in some religious way. It is a transformation. This knowing and better and trusting him more, it, it, it takes you in a new way maybe you never thought you would go. <clears throat> Celebration Church exists because years ago, we said yes to something that honestly was way out of my wife's wheelhouse. I mean, she just, this was just not going to fit. She's just not normally an adventurous person. And when God spoke to us that we were to sell everything, and we'd spent lots of years buying houses and real estate and storage units and all this stuff, and, and thought that, you know, that was our future and our retirement and all that, and God said, sell it all and go and spend six months to a year traveling, and let me show you the kind of church I want you to lead, and... And God drops this in my heart, and I immediately said, <laughs> uh, God, you're going to have to speak to my wife. Uh, because this isn't one of those things that I can go, woman, I'm the man of the house. If you know my wife, you know that ain't going to work too good. I'd be needing some dental work. And, uh, and so, uh, so I said, God, you're going to have to speak to her. This is, a, this is a way outside the box thing for us to take our, at that point we had five kids, to put seven of us in a motorhome and travel around the U.S. for that long and all of us get along. I mean, this is, I mean, have no home, be nomads. I mean, this was just out there. And I'm telling you, over the years, my wife of knowing God and trusting him little by little, as soon as it presented I had another church service, and I waited about an hour later. I come back to her. This wasn't weeks. This wasn't months. It was about an hour after she hears it. I said, well, babe, are you freaked out? She says, yeah, I'm freaked out, but I think it's God. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I'm freaked out. I thought I had some time here. I thought God was really going to have to move on your heart. It's going to take all this, this time to get, and she was just like, Phew. that was her stepping out of the boat, walking on the water big time. 
It, and I'm telling you, God does that. We all have those get-out-of-the-boat moments in our lives. And it's not because we just throw caution to the wind and we have blind faith. As believers, we don't have blind faith. We walk by, we walk by seeing based on God's Word. We're not going by natural sight. We were walking by faith, which is faith in what he has told us is true. That is what Peter walked on the water on. That is what we say yes to Jesus with. That is what changes everything. That is what changes everything. James 1 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Psalms 119 again says, great peace of those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. And I want to throw a couple of other translations of this one at you. The message says, for those who love what you reveal, everything fits. Everything fits. You got something in your life that's like, uh, maybe it's a passion. Maybe it's a desire. And you go, God, I don't see how this fits in my world. Spend some more time in the Word. Let God reveal it to you. Let God reveal it to you. I'm telling you, He hasn't wired you to frustrate you. All your hardwired stuff fit in your life. You just got to let God reveal it. It says, no stumbling around in the dark for them. The King James Version says, great peace have those which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. How do that make us where we don't get offended, offended at each other, offended at other things? Because we understand who we are in Christ. It changes everything. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It guides us. And then John 8, 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. See, this, folks, this breaks the pattern of us just floating aimlessly and getting nowhere. Knowing the truth sets us free from that. John 8 said, You will know the truth and it will set you free. And we close with Hebrews 4. It says, For the word of God is living and active. Folks, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And it judges this, folks, the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why we need to spend time in the word. Sometimes we can deceive ourselves so well and the word of God reveals what's really going on in our hearts. See, folks, God has given us his word to empower us in life and keep us moving forward and knowing him better and trusting him more. And if we don't stay purposely connected to God's word, that growing and knowing and trusting, it just it stagnates, it stops. But when we allow God's word to speak directly to our hearts, man, I tell you what, it changes absolutely. It changes everything. It changes everything. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to make sure everybody is at the starting gates. We want everybody there. You can't run the race if you, if you don't even hit go. And where we begin, ah, this is so beautiful, I love it. We begin with forgiveness. That's where we start. Because it's only in that place of being forgiven that any of this stuff matters, that it's applicable. And so this morning, like we talked about with communion, the only thing that brings forgiveness is, is the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Every one of us, our, our, our sin, our, our, our shortcomings, our mistakes, our, our, 
or dumb things we've done, they, uh, they, need, they need to be dealt with. And Jesus did that for us. So what I want us to do this morning is if you haven't done that, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then what I want you to do is I want you to do that this morning. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You're already aware. Maybe you had a misconception of what it meant to be Christian, that you had to do a whole bunch of stuff and live a bunch of rules. I'll tell you what, that's just not the case. You say yes to Jesus. You keep your heart open to him. And you allow the Holy Spirit. And you just keep that pattern of saying yes and saying yes and saying yes. And pretty soon that stuff that Christianity can get so preachy about, I'm telling you what, if it's a big deal to God, he'll deal with it with you. And we'll let him. Okay? And then otherwise, we're just going to love each other and we're going to love God. That's what you're saying yes to this morning. You're saying yes to love God and love others. That's what you're saying to. Let him take care of your sin. So I'd appreciate it if we create a quiet moment.